Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome, everybody. This is your host, Christopher Rennie, bringing you another episode of the Buck Off Podcast and with Land Grant Holy Land. As always, I am joined by Jordan Williams today. How are we doing today, Jordan? Uh, I'm doing good. Can't complain. Uh, it's Thursday. Thursday is always a good day because it's about to be the weekend and, and the NFL draft is on. Uh, it doesn't matter for me or you because... Uh, it matters as the Buckeye fan, but it doesn't matter in general because neither of our team has first-round picks. But I'm doing good. I can't complain. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. It's Thursday. It's not warm out, but it's not cold out. I think the weekend's coming, so that's always nice. So uh, the draft, it's interesting because there's not a lot of consensus this year. And, you know, usually in the NFL draft, you've kind of got to really define, like, pecking order decided at this point. And I really just have no idea after you get through, like, pick five, like, where anybody's going to go. And that's kind of fun. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Where is the run on quarterbacks going to be? Where is the run on wide receivers going to be? And there's like three corners. So, like, where's the mini run on corners? Like, that, those three positions are going to really make a difference. Absolutely. And I think one thing, and I don't know when it's going to happen, but some team is going to take a quarterback in the first round of this draft. And we're recording on Thursday, so it hasn't happened yet. But. When that team does, you could insert the name of that team here. They are terrible, they are dumb, and they deserve to be bad. Yes. And I just really, 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 really hope it's the Falcons at eight so they can explain why last year they didn't take the homegrown quarterback prospect, but they decided to do it this year. When last year, besides the fact that it was Justin Fields, which is important, but besides the fact that it was Justin Fields, you could have had the better quarterback, any of the better quarterbacks, because all four of the quarterbacks, five of the quarterbacks last year, four or five, whatever the number is, all of them are better than all the quarterbacks this year. Mac Jones would be the number one pick in this draft. Um, And you could have had any of those quarterbacks, but more specifically the Atlanta kid, and you could have sat him for a year under Matt Ryan, and then you could have traded Matt Ryan, which is what you still did this year. So now if you trade Matt Ryan, which you already did, thank you, as a Colts fan, and then draft a quarterback that you have to sit behind Marcus Mariota, yeah, Come you deserve now. to be bad, honestly. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you know, I, I'm looking around, and there's not a Chase Young level player in this draft. Uh, I think, like, there's a few players where, like, you look at it. There's three or four players you'd probably be like, yeah, those are the best players in the draft, and they're probably not going to go one, two, three, four, five. Like Kyle Hamilton's one of the best players in the draft. He'll probably go at the end of the top ten. Sauce Gardner's in that same boat, and it's like, well, like, if the draft's going to be bad, why wouldn't you just take the best players, you know? Yeah. Sauce just go four or five, though. That'd be, that'd be nice. I like him. His chain, impeccable. I, I think before we get into more Ohio State stuff, uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, they've definitely been reading GQ, and they're, they're looking good. They're looking sharp. Yeah, I tweeted that they look like they're uh, about to sign to the New Age Death Row Records. <laughs> I like, can see it, honestly. The, the suits with the chain and the sunglasses. Like Somebody tweeted they're about to drop the hardest R&B album of 2022. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I see that one, honestly. Uh, you know that uh, Scared Straight like skit from Loiter Squad where the guy goes up to the guy sitting there. He's like, why you got on necklace? <laughs> that, that's kind of what I felt when I saw... Garrett Wilson with his three chains. Well, you got so many necklaces. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but it's fun. I mean, I think they're both going to go before 15. I think I think if you look at my draft, they're not, which is I don't know. I think I actually think one of them falls just because the draft is stupid. Like someone's going to draft Traylon Burks over one of them and regret it. Yeah, slow, can't create separation. Uh, next question. Uh, but I think I think that I, I, I said I want uh, I don't want Garrett Wilson to go to the commanders. I do not want that. I don't want him to yeah, play for Dan Snyder. They can have uh, Terry, Jake London. Terry is great and he's having a heck of a career, but I couldn't imagine his career if he got drafted to like an actually capable organization. And then Ooh, Derek Stingley third. Not a fan of that one. I don't oh, think he's. This is why they're bad. They're gonna regret that. Vernon Hargraves part two. Ooh, I don't know if he's that bad. Well, I mean, Vernon Hargraves was really good in college. He was better than Derek Stingley in college. Yeah, I just don't think this is good value. I think he'll be a good player. Um. I don't know if this is good value, though. Well, it's like when, like I said, like I don't want Garrett Wilson to go to the Commanders. I wouldn't want Derek Stingley to go to the Texans, who have like a history of burning through defensive backs. Yeah, but they have Lovey Smith, who is a defensive back guy. So, like, yeah. if, anyone, if anyone can do it, that's why they did it. That's a that's a very Lovey Smith pick. Yeah, like, I mean, he, he wanted a guy on his defense. Yeah, I mean, it could work out. I'm not like I don't think Derek Stingley's bad. I just think at three, that's like that's not I just, good. I just feel like he's going to be Grant Delpit. Like he's going to be good, but he's going to be injured because he's yeah. injured in college, and so is Grant. Like you're telling me, like of his three years, two of them were injury prone, and you're telling me he's just going to come into the draft and not be injury prone, be able to take on a 17 game season physically. Yeah, not a chance. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Jets are up now. Their fourth pick. They're going to take know. Icky Kwanu. Get the lineman, get the receiver next at 10. Yeah, I think that's what they do if they're smart. But yeah, we're not the saying. Oh, Jets. they may take Kayvon, though. 
I mean, I don't think the Jets can like they can't. They really can't mess up right here, honestly. Not, yeah, not with four and ten. It's like just get a guy who's going to start for you immediately, and then get another guy who's going to start for you immediately. Yeah, I mean, we said this draft wasn't even interesting, and we've talked about the the draft for already like almost seven, eight minutes here. We could probably go all in on our thirty-two mock draft here and come out with an hour 45 minute pod before the draft is over actually. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I think uh, looking at it, I think Ohio state had, I think Jerry Emig, the sports information director for the Buckeyes said there's 14 total draft eligible players, uh, 10 of which were legitimate contributors for Ohio state. <laughs> and I think seven of them are draftable players. And they're going to be spread out over all weekend. Yeah. Uh, Most with, of them are going to be day three picks, if we're being honest. Yeah, outside of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, because they're going to be first-round picks, and they're going to have incredibly high expectations wherever they get drafted to. Who do you think of the remaining draft-eligible players, like Nicholas Petit-Friere, Thayer Munford, Jeremy Ruckert, Tyreek Smith, Zach Harrison, so on and so forth, uh, who do you think – has the potential to be the most, uh, I don't know, the best pro of the, that group. Jeremy Record. That's why. That's where my head went to. Yeah, and I think, I think, I think, <clears throat> I think Smith could be a better pro than he was a college player, but I don't think he'll be because we saw that with Baron Browning too. Yeah, um, I think, but I, I just think Jeremy Record is a NFL wide is an NFL tight end right now. I mean, yeah. I would do anything for him to be on the Colts because he can block because that's almost all he had to do at Ohio State. But he can also catch and a team like a team like the Colts, and I don't know if we'll get him, but who use their tight ends to block, which is important, but yeah. also love to use them in tech checkdowns, love to use them over the middle. Like he is like the perfect prospect for that. And maybe we don't get him because maybe we want a more just like a solid, solid blocker because we got a more catching tight tight end um, last year. But I think he's the, I think he's the perfect NFL tight end. He was very much underused. Um, and I could see him having a, a really good career similar to uh, the tight end from, um, no, he's going to be a better blocker than him. I was going to say the tight end from Miami. George Jasicki, his first name's not George. Jasicki. Mike Jasicki. Mike, Mike Jasicki. I think yeah, he's from um, Penn State. Yep. I think his best case scenario is a poor man's George Kittle. I don't think he'll have George Kittle's career, but as far as like he can block like Kittle can block or a poor man's George, George Kittle, and he can catch like a poor man's George Kittle. I don't think that there's many tight ends who are well suited for both. Like Especially Jeremy coming Rucker. into the league. Like, uh, what's his name? Greg Dulcich from UCLA is very good tight end. Uh, doesn't really have the blocking part down yet. Uh, the guy from Colorado State's a little bit bigger, but he's never really had to play against uh, teams and block against teams that consistently have NFL defensive linemen. So I think that's why that's honestly what kind of separates Jeremy Ruckert for me from the rest of the tight ends is a lot of tight ends in college that end up being good draft prospects are decent receivers in college. And it's all projection. I think Jeremy Ruckert has done both jobs well. And even though he didn't put up a lot of numbers, like he still excelled in both roles as a blocker and as a pass catcher. 
Yeah, like I don't think he's the best pass catching tight end in the, in the draft. I don't think he's the best blocking tight end in the draft, but I think he may be the best of both. Um, maybe there's one other person that's better. I don't, you know, I'm not a draft expert. I don't follow all these guys, um, but I know it's not Jaleel Billingsley who they're talking about. Um, I think that's, no, he's the one returning. There's a, uh, there's an Alabama or Georgia tight end that there a lot of people are talking about, but then he had a terrible combine. Is that Jaleel Billingsley or is Billingsley yeah, the one that's still? Either way, it, it, it is. Um, it's not the guy that they said was the number one tight end coming out because then he went to the combine and had a terrible combine. Yeah, and I, I mean that's a tough thing. I tight end such an interesting position because a lot of them don't have that top end speed, but they still find ways to be crafty and get separation, and they're still mismatched with their ability to go up and get footballs out of the air and stuff. But yeah, no, I think Rutgers probably the answer there for that question. I just think he just projects so well to the NFL level. And yeah. like when you look at Thayer Munford, when you look at Nicholas Petit Vrier, like you've seen issues with their upper body strength in school. You've seen uh limitedness to Tyreek Smith who's a great athlete but doesn't always put it together fundamentally on the field. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's going to be a good weekend for Ohio State. Oh, good for them. Mod Gardner to the Jets. That's weird. Hey, number four. You said that. Yeah, I said he'd probably go four. He could go four. I um I'm surprised the two corners went three three and four. Yeah. Um, but again, the I like the I like Sauce Gardner pick better than Derek Stingley. Yeah, um, I mean when so when we talk about intangibles for players like if my corner shows up in a powder blue suit to the draft with a chain with his nickname represented in it yeah that's the corner yes. i want honestly <laughs> that's, that's the guy <laughs> that's the guy on. i could leave on an island 100 percent of the time he got lost did you see that he, no, he got lost way. in the sauce. Yeah, That's not... he, went, he went the wrong way. They turned around and they cut <laughs> his highlights. <laughs> He's like <laughs> actually living his nickname. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like the I like the fit better. I get uh, Levy Smith wanting a uh, corner. Like that's a Levy Smith pick, but I think Derek Sting, uh, Sauce Gardner fits better for the Jets, and I think he fits better for what. Um, Robert Sala is going to do. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would avoid offensive tackle, but they may be able to get the third offensive tackle at 10. So maybe yeah. that's why they did it. Like they may miss out on Icky Kwani with Evan Neal, but they may be able to get Charles Cross. So maybe they're yeah. okay with that. And, you know, I, I think that takes them probably <clears> out <throat> of taking one of the receivers in the first round. Probably, yeah. Because the offensive line's definitely more should be more of a priority for them than receiver, but because they they do have DJ Moore, who's a good number one player, if I recall. That's the guy or Elijah Moore. There's a lot of Moors, but uh, is that he came on? He came on late, pretty well last year. Is that the Jets or the Giants? The Jets. The Giants, I don't know. I don't even know what's going on with the Giants on offense, to be honest. That's a question for another podcast. Uh, but yeah, well, when I, you I, draft a running back number two overall, I mean that that says everything you need to know. And I think it's funny people have been arguing with me about my takes about Saquon Barkley. And my thing is this: at a bare minimum, 
He has never, ever, ever lived up to the number two draft slot because you should never draft a running back there. But also, I just don't think he's that good of a running back. I watched his entire career, and he is he is a decent. I think he would be better served as, an, as a supercharged number two because his issue, and maybe this is just a preference for me, I've watched him, and he'll have a game where he runs for 105 yards, but he'll have a 40-yard run, He'll have a 25-yard run, and then he'll have 15 runs where he averages two yards a carry. And some yeah. people are fine with that. But in the NFL, you can't live off of two yards, two yards, one yard, negative two yards, negative three yards, 40 yards. Like, that's not how you win a game. Like, you need a running back that can consistently get you five yards, four and a half yards. Like, and you would take a running back like Derrick Henry, who needs that entire 20, 25 carries to get to 100 because he's putting a better effect on a game than a running back who is getting to 100 on two carries and then sucking the rest because that means he's not picking up first downs. He's not picking up short yardage. He's not making no effect. And then you're essentially just a passing team. So I don't think – Daniel Jones and that doesn't work yeah and I've watched him in every big game of his career against Ohio State and bowl games things like that some of the I don't know if you can call it a big game in the NFL when you're on the Giants but he always craps the bed he always craps the bed he never he I mean I think maybe he had the one good game against Ohio State and largely that was the kickoff return like he is not a guy you can rely on day in and day out when you need him and but nobody agrees with me like so it's like no, I don't know anything I, about football so it's whatever I I agree with you I'm and glad that's what you matters because it's like what are you uh, talking because about? I felt the same way since he's gotten to the NFL and like a lot of people like hate on Zeke but at least Zeke gives you kind of that more consistent like he's gonna get you six yards a carry and you're going and, to, he might not hit the home run as much as he used to when he first got to the league but he's yeah, still going he to, got that knee injury but Zeke yeah. is also the best running back in football for two and a half years. Which yeah. for a running back is enough. <laughs> like Zeke, I mean, Zeke is in his fifth or sixth year. He had yeah. the running back career. He was never going to be Frank Gore because no one should be Frank Gore where they play a hundred years. But Zeke can Zeke can play for another five years, and eventually he's going to go from starter to backup. But he's going to be a very good running back. Like yeah. Zeke, if nothing else, he's always going to get that yard. Like he, I think he's running harder now that he's more limited than he's ever run in his life. I'd see him fighting for yard for one, two yards against two, three tacklers and things like that. And he's not bouncing as much because he doesn't have it. And maybe he'll have it this year. Maybe it was just like a last year. He was still recovering. Maybe he gets it back if he has another healthy off season, or maybe he's lost it forever, but Zeke is still a productive back. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the difference. I think there's like quite a few NFL running backs who are home run hitters who are big. But like you get guys like Nick Chubb, you get guys like Zeke, you get guys like that who just never, ever go backwards, always keep the offense on schedule, get you those second and sixes, those third and ones, you know, and then they really give you a lot of options in what you can do. Uh, It's just any team that's relying on that high pick running back, once it gets to playoff time, you could legitimately see that the roster just isn't developed enough because you wasted a premier pick where you could get one of the best offensive linemen, one of the best edge players on running back. And that's just not something you should really do to build a roster. And that was, I mean, quarterbacks are a crapshoot, but that was a draft where I'm pretty sure there's a couple good quarterbacks that were taken in, like, the teens. And if nothing else, trade back. If you don't know what to, if you're going to take him, trade out of two, 
to like 10 and hope he's still there. And if he's not, then just get a really good player there. Yeah. Um, and it's that old saying, running backs are a dime a dozen. You can get a lot of good ones throughout the draft with different skill sets. I mean, Jonathan Taylor was a second-round pick. Kenneth and Walker might be productive. He's going to be yeah, a second-round pick. Jonathan Taylor's probably going to be the best running back in the NFL. Nick Chubb was a first-round pick. Yeah, a lot of really good running backs fall out of the first round, which is crazy when you really think about it. Because you don't and have to draft the first round. You don't. And there's just more important, more valuable positions. And I think that's the – thing a lot of teams make a mistake with wow. it's that same issue with the quarterbacks in the draft like teams just want to get the quarterback it doesn't matter if they're not the best player in the draft they're just like we're going to take you at one and we're going to hope you work out like that is I a scoop Kayvon Thibodeau yeah I'm sorry fresh. to interrupt you that is that is a that is a suit I think uh when you look at even like just going back and looking at the Baker Mayfield Sam Darnold Josh Rosen draft like, I think that was, like, honestly the last year where I'm just like, I'm going to let them convince me that these quarterbacks are good. You know, once I kind of saw all four of those guys drafted in the first round, kind of, like, and the people everyone said were going to be bust, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen ended up being the best, like, better quarterbacks in that draft. And that that's how it works a lot of times because they just suck at evaluation. Um I mean, ultimately, they do second evaluation. The first five picks were all defensive guys, and that's a little shocking. Like someone, that means like someone in the like between like six and twelve is gonna get like Evan Neal or, or Charles Cross. That's nuts. Like, and then the wide receivers are gonna get pushed back. There are gonna be some people in the in these like teams that are gonna get some freaking steals by the yeah, first absolutely. five picks being three defensive linemen and two corners. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, this draft's been different so far, and I kind of like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, any final takes before we get into what this show is actually about, which is Ohio State football? Yeah, I have a couple of takes, and these are Ohio State football takes. It's just draft Ohio State football takes. Um, Thayer Mumford's ceiling, I think, or his best case scenario, maybe not his ceiling, his best case scenario is a long-term swing backup that can play guard and tackle in the league. And he can play for 12 years and make millions of dollars doing that. I don't know if he's ever a full-time starter, but if he buys in and he trusts the process and he he puts in the work that he's supposed to put in, I think he'll make a, a huge career as like a 10 mil, 10, well, with inflation, maybe like 12 and a half million year guy who maybe, you know, only is only on team for two or three years, but you know, by year eight or nine, he's like a solid, like, okay, like they got, they got a uh, fair amount for their backup. I think that is his best case scenario. I think NPS best case scenario only if he goes to a place with like an amazing offensive line coach. So the Colts, the Browns, uh, where did the Browns offensive line coach go? The one that was really good. Did he go to the Bills? Uh, Either way, like one of them, like really, really good developing offensive line coaches. I think he can be a starter. I think he'd be great on the Colts. I keep campaigning, but it's largely because he'd be right next to Quentin Nelson. And so for the first three years when he's like average at best, Nelson will help cover up and then he'll learn. He'll get that, you know, I don't think the Browns need a tackle, but like it'd be the same thing from the Browns. Like there's so many studs there, like going up against Miles Garrett. Um, But I think his most likely case scenario is um, like uh, an average starter. 
yeah. he'll probably also be a backup, but he'll he'll be a, a more sought after backup. But I think he I think he has starter potential. I'm not yeah. sure that Thayer has starter potential. I think it just really, really depends on where he gets drafted and how much time they put into developing him. Yeah, I think both of them have that potential to be career backup swing tackles. You get a couple of spot starts here and there, have a couple of seasons for their starters. I think that's the most like realistic scenario for both of them. But NPF has always kind of like when he came to Ohio State, he was very highly touted. He came in, he had to work, he got a spot start in the Rose Bowl, then he got beat out. Then he ended up becoming a really good high level starter for two years. So I, I think his like career kind of prepares him for that NFL level. And I know Munford was a multi-year, like, three-, four-year starter on the offensive line. So, I think – I just think he's got that personality that will keep him in the NFL for a long time. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think they'll be special, but I think they'll be good. Yeah, they'll just add as long to as that. They put in, that. They'll have to put in the work, though. Like, they're not yeah. guaranteed to be yeah, and I think I think a big part of it is I, everyone, you know, we love to look at Chase Young, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Terry McLaurin, Michael Thomas, the guys who have, like, reached, like, kind of the pinnacle, the highest level of what a player can be on a team. But, like, having those solid football players is still another way to project and show, like, hey, even if you don't maybe fully reach that first-round draft pick ceiling, there is still an opportunity for you to realize your dreams in the NFL as a pro player. And I think those players are just as important as, like, the Michael Thomases and Joey Bosa's. Yeah, and the average NFL career is, like, two or three years. It's why you have to have, like, a four- or five-year career or something like that. Before to get the pension. Get the pension. So if they last six, seven, eight years, they had a good NFL career. So yeah, I, mean, I, I just it, want to put that out there. Like, if you, if you make it to the pension point in the NFL, you had a successful career. Like, not everyone's going to be a Hall of Famer, and I think that's – Something like just being able to sell like, hey, we have the best of the best. And even if you're not seen in that regard, once you get there, you still have the potential to make a nice life for yourself, have a nice long career. And we're good to go. And that's really like top to bottom recruiting pitch. That's what the NFL draft is for for Ohio State. Yeah, like Ohio State doesn't just doesn't just tote the first round picks. They tote all of them because they're all there. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like they don't just tote the starters, you know what I mean? Like they tote the backups. They tote everyone because they got drafted and they made careers, they made money and even a seventh round pick is enough money to change your family's lives. Yeah, and I mean most uh Ohio State's got the most NFL draft picks since the year 2000. That's going to increase. They have the most first-round draft picks of all time. That's going to increase again this year, hopefully, with two more with Alave and Wilson. And then what's the last time? I think they have 470 total draft picks all time, and they're like 80 behind Notre Dame. But still, I mean, that's ridiculous being in the top three in that category still something that a lot of schools can't say, and that's exciting. Yeah, it's 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 a good time to be an Ohio State fan. I'll tell you that. Yeah, absolutely. A good time uh, to start making some recruiting pitched graphics for receivers. Uh, 
Got a few crystal balls in there. I don't think we got recruiting on the schedule today. We got a lot of other stuff to talk about. But uh, before we get in, quick transition. After Mark Fletcher, uh, you know, I didn't say the two defensive backs who committed were going to be the next ones. I said Austin Saraveld was going to be next. And that was a recruiting expert one. I put it on the line for that one, uh, that he was going to be a Buckeye. So next Tuesday, uh, we're going to find out if I'm still a recruiting expert or not. Yeah, I, you know, one thing that's very interesting. Did they pick Kenny Pickett or just Sean? Okay. You know, one thing that I think is very interesting. Uh, recruiting is so, like, funny to me because I don't think he's a top 100 guy. I think he's somewhere between, like, 150 and 200. And his final three schools are Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Alabama. And it's just, and- like, obviously 150 in the country, whatever that is, is still good. But, like, some of the players who people are like, oh, he's 200, he's this, he's that. And then they're picking between Alabama, Georgia, Clemson. It's, like, it's just so interesting how you, you know – just how you build your board and things like that. Like, it's not all yeah, just top 100 players. Like, Al- like Alabama wants him. He's good. And you can yeah, say the same thing about Ohio State, but Ohio State people be well, weird, look at so. And you look at historically, like, those three schools have produced quite a bit of elite offensive line talent to the NFL. Why are those three schools in on this kid, you know, when you really think about it? Yeah. That should make you even more excited. And, like – Alabama obviously wants to come into Ohio, try to steal an Ohio recruit. Notre Dame is retrying to build their brand in the Midwest. So it's really a huge recruiting battle. Uh, I think I've got the experts crystal balls on my side. I think you got a Wilt Fong crystal ball on my side. So I'm feeling really good about maintaining my recruiting expertise here. But yeah, I think that is really interesting. And I think yeah. you just look at the pedigree of the three schools, who they've recruited, who they've developed. I mean, like, people should get really excited about this kid, even though he's not a top 100 guy. Yeah, it's mainly tackles, but, like, Notre Dame has some of the best offensive linemen in the league. Like, their left tackles, up until, their, la- like, up until their last left tackle, who I can't think of his name, he went last year, the year before, every, like, their last three left tackles were all first-round picks. It yeah. was like, you, you go to Notre Dame, you, you play left tackle for two, three years, you get drafted, then your backup – plays for two, three years, gets drafted, then back up, plays for two, three years, gets drafted. Like, they're a factory. They also have freaking Quentin Nelson. And not saying this guy's going to be Quentin Nelson, but, like, Notre Dame knows how to draft, how to pick offensive linemen. Alabama is going to have an offensive lineman picked here shortly. Um, And also, I, I read, I don't follow recruiting, like, heavily, heavily, but the Athletic came out with this thing that was interesting. And it was, like, a recruiting thing where, like, they would talk to, like, the state's, like the coaches and stuff in the States and talk about who recruits, who doesn't this, that, and the third. And a lot of the East coast and the Northern States were like, you have to be very, very, very special for Alabama, Georgia, those teams, they don't come up North. Like, like, like like New Jersey has some good players. And a lot of the coaches in New Jersey is like, I've never seen Alabama up here, or I've only seen them when we have the, you know, a really, really good player. So for Alabama, like Alabama doesn't need to go in Ohio, especially this year. They have, 10, 11, 12, 13 of the top 100 players in their state. So for them to be in Ohio after a guard, like, he's got to be, he's a guy. Like, he's, he's a, guy. a guy. And then so. that would lock up the three best linemen in the state of Ohio for Fry in his first class. And that's a huge, that's a huge win for him. And then you can yeah. go out and try to finish off the class with possibly two more players, probably tackles. 
from think, around the country. I would like and to get a five star, but even even if not, I would hope the other two are top one hundred. Yeah, and I, it's really possible. I mean, there's names there, and like you know, a lot of these top players, they either want it done before their final season starts, or they are going to wait until signing day, and that's kind of the battle we're at. We're only in April. There's a lot of time left in recruiting. Uh, there's a reason we're not really getting into much more detail on it this week because we got to fill out this off season of conversation and recruiting is going to fill up a lot of that. So uh, right now uh, I, I just thought that was interesting to bring up because he was kind of on my list when I did my solo show of players I think would come next. So uh, I, I, I came up with a game. Uh, I was listening to some other, podcast this week and obviously the transfers were a huge conversation topic the number of transfers leaving where they ended up and all that stuff and you know i i was like uh burrow or no more but burrow transferred before the one and done like the one-time transfer rule was in place he was a grad transfer these guys all sort of fit the category where it's uh the one-time transfer rule play immediately type of stuff so i said jmo or no more. And that to me means will they be successful or will we not hear from them again after they leave Ohio state? And, uh, I've got the list here of players and I just kind of wanted to run through them with you and see, do we think this player is going to be on the Jameson Williams level? We're never going to hear from them again, or they're going to be just a solid player at their next program. Define, JMO. Well, it's like tough for each position or high-level starter. High-level, okay. Because, like, position by um, position, like, you could be a high-level defensive lineman and still be a second, third, fourth-round pick. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, JMO is just high-level starter. Like, possible all-conference guy. Okay. Uh, just, like, if I did Burrow, like, yeah, not everyone's going to be a Heisman winner, you know? Right. Okay, I got you. Okay, so we're going to start with Bryson Shaw. Uh, I'll be honest here. I think he's going to play a lot, but I don't think we're going to hear much from him again. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's not good. Uh, I mean, like, I, I, knew, I, I can't say I knew he was going to transfer because, you know, things happen. But it's funny, like, the, they dropped one bad clip like they dropped, well, it's not a bad clip. It was a G Scott celebration clip, and he's wide open in the end zone. And I said, "Who?" I said, "Bryson Shaw messed that up." And then I zoomed in, and who was it? Number seven. Yeah. Like I'm sorry, if he's your starter, your defense isn't good. So I think he'll start for USC because I think they have nobody on their defense. But I think he's going to give up a lot of touchdowns. So. I mean, I don't know what that level is. He, like, he's not JMO. He's not no more. I think he's going to start because they need him. But it, he's not even going to be a solid starter. He's just going to be a starter. Yeah, that's, that's, he's going to be a starter. That's, that's <laughs> kind of where I'm at. So I'm, I'm going to put him in the no more category just because I don't think he's going to. And this isn't to like disparage him. You know, he's just like we know what he is. You know what I'm saying? And like going to USC – and playing in a defensive scheme that really relies on a solid pass rush that's just not going to be there because they don't have the players at USC right now to develop that, like, it's not going to work well. Uh, I wish these guys would unbutton their suit jacket when they walk. 
Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I mean, these guys. I mean, how often do you think these guys have been wearing suits? Not everyone knows the yeah the, the X's and O's and the unwritten rules of suit wearing, especially the That's big like, guys. It's just because it, it just looks weird when they're like yeah. celebrating and stuff. I wish that like you you unbutton it. That should be want. on the that should be on the tailor. Honestly, they should let you know. Like, yeah. hey, this is how you do this, this is how you do that. But they don't care. They just make the suits. Yeah, you, come uh, on. You just made it to the NFL draft. You don't really care if your suit yeah. is rising up. My my broke ass is sitting at home saying, man, you would look a little bit better if you just unbuttoned that button. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Bryson Shaw, I put him no more. He's going to be a starter. He's going to play. But I don't think we're going to hear much from him again. Yeah. Uh, Seven Banks is... JMO only because there's not a third category. I wish there was a third category, like an in between. I think he's an instant starter because LSU sucks and they lost a yeah. the draft and they lost Eli Ricks to Alabama. They absolutely need him. I think he ends up being a fourth or fifth round pick, which is solid, which is what he would have been at Ohio State. Yeah. He just yeah. wasn't going to play this year at Ohio State. So, yeah, I think I, I was intrigued because he said he might be throwing his name in the draft this year. Did not put very good film on tape last year. Not his fault entirely. I think he's going to go to LSU and have a really successful season. And I think that's good. I mean, that's kind of what you want to see here with him. Uh, I don't really have much more to say about seven. I think he had a decent career at Ohio State. Nothing special. Nothing, like, terrible, you know. He didn't say anything wrong when he left or anything like that. So, I mean, I'm just wishing him the best, honestly. And and Seven was plagued by the fact that he was the starter after back-to-back-to-back-to-back first-round picks. picks, And then they're like, Seven Banks is going to be a first-round pick. And I'm like, have you ever seen him play? No, he's not. Yeah, he's not. He was one of the players who was kind of recruited when the defense back recruiting wasn't at its highest. Yeah. So he's good. I think he is what he was supposed to be. Um, it's just when you have literally like five or six straight first round picks, like even a couple who shouldn't have been first round picks because Damon Arnett should not have been a first round pick. It's like yeah. that's the expectation that he was never going to live up to that. And he has a cool name. And you know what that does to cornerbacks. It just really puts the expectations to like if your expectations at 100, it takes it to like 102. Just because yeah. he has a cool name. Facts. And that's not fair to him. And the next guy we're going to talk about actually has a cool name as well. Lejon Cabazos. North Carolina, I think this is a JMO situation 100%. I'm very high on this fit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say JMO because you said it. I have no idea. I don't even know if he's a good player. Like, he didn't make he didn't make any staple on me. I do think he maybe was played a little out of position, but, like, he didn't make like, – like, he's not imprinted on my brain. Like, I'm not – I'm not trying to be an asshole, but I'm not going to miss him. I don't remember him. Like – Yeah, he never I got just, on the field. He got passed by Denzel – he never got on the field consistently. He got passed by Denzel Burke. He was – uh, the Halfley year, I believe, when he was recruited. Uh, and we kind of know Halfley was a one-and-done guy, so uh, his recruiting was kind of, you know, iffy. Wasn't he, the, wasn't he the one that, like, everyone praised Halfley and Ryan Day for keeping and not flipping at the end of the at – because the, that's the year that Ryan Day came over and he was one of those guys that they thought were going to flip when Irvin stepped down. That was him, right? 
Yeah, he was one of them for sure, and I, I think that was good Ew. by them. But that was like that was the Tavir Johnson recruiting period, and that's just that's just gross to think about. I don't want to think about that. Drake London at eight. The Falcons are so I, I like, dumb. I, I like Drake London a lot, but I don't think I, he's better than either Ohio State receiver. I think. I think he's on the same level. He does something different. I have he's no problem yeah. with him. It's but, just. What who the, like, are your who is your who is your offensive lineman? Who's the defense for the Atlanta Falcons? But so, yeah, cool. You have Drake London and the tight end whose name I can't think of right now. Kyle you Pitts. have Kyle Pitts. You have great offensive weapons and no one to throw the ball, no one to protect the quarterback, and no one to stop the ball on the other side. Uh-oh. Great job. <laughs> you did it, guys. Yeah, uh, Drake London was actually. One of my high school teammates is roommates at USC. Interesting. I mean, he was by far the best wide receiver in college football this year. Partially oh, because he was the only wide receiver. Like, I mean, he had a th- over a thousand yards in eight games. He was probably going to have 150 catches this year. Yeah, he had a thousand yards in eight games. Like, he was like, going. I'm not. If his, like, his stat line by the end of the year probably would have been like 2,300 yards, 150 catches, and he would have been in New York City. Yeah, for sure. Good player. But I think I, I think that and we all know this. Everyone that listens to this, I think you know this. The draft is not just about the player you get; it's the value, and yeah. and, it, and it's what you need. And maybe they went best player available, but like there's a, there's Jalen Johnson's on the board, like Charles Cross, the offensive tackles on the board, Kyle Hamilton's on the board. Those are more you have a pass catcher. Those are more positions of need, in my yeah. opinion. It, yeah, I mean, if you whatever. had the quarterback, if you had the offensive line in place, and go for it, take Drake London. But you don't. Uh, yeah, I am proud of them for not getting a quarterback though, because the quarterbacks suck. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually very happy so far. Not a quarterback's been taken, and that's not a hate thing. Uh, yeah, but before yeah, we get so, back to Ohio State, sorry, Seahawks. Do they take a quarterback, or do they live, they, with, um, live with crappy kid from Denver? Wait for next year. Live with Drew Lock. Wait till next year. Yeah. Drew Locke's yeah. better than any of the quarterbacks in this draft, and that's sad. <laughs> yeah. um, um, all right, so John, we went JMO. Yeah. Uh, good athlete, physical corner. I think he's going to be opposite of Tony Grimes, so he's not going to be the number one corner, which is going to be extremely beneficial for him. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he works himself into like a second or third round pick because I think he's talented. He just like didn't do anything for me at Ohio State. So I just and that, he had a bunch of players in front of him. He had Banks, yeah. he had Brown, he had Burke who took over his spot, and then the young guys this offseason, we obviously saw it in the spring game. Like But also he wasn't played outside though. They were trying to make him a, a nickel and then well, a safety. So he was an outside corner, then he got passed by the two younger guys. Okay. And then they said, Hey, do you want to play the nickel and see if you could crack it there? But you already had and Lathan Ransom there. So it's like you ex- exhausted all options. He obviously wants to play. He's obviously talented enough to play somewhere. That's why he got an ACC offer. And he's going to probably become a legitimate, I think, all ACC caliber player. I could see it. Go down there and uh, pick off DJU. Yeah, just ruin their day. He's just going to throw you one. All right. Uh, the next two, uh, we can probably get to them <laughs> quick. I don't think we're going to hear from them again. No. I don't think they'll be my players. Cremonte Hamilton going to Memphis. Uh, good for him. I think he'll get a lot of playing time. 
Gary and Henry Young. I really thought I, I didn't realize how old he was. Yeah, he's like a fourth or fifth year guy. So uh, I, I'm not surprised he transferred once I learned that. I think Kentucky has done a really good job of getting high end Division One FBS backups and making them legitimate SEC players with some like like. I don't want to use steroid because I don't want anyone to take that the wrong way, but like just an good in, coaching, good coaching, an injection of just really good yeah. development immediately. Um, who's his older brother? Uh, Darian Henry. Henry? Yeah, or that's Monte Hamilton or Darian no, no, Henry Young. Didn't, he, no come, didn't he come here because his older brother goes here? He should have always went to. He should have always went to um, Kentucky. I'm not tripping, yeah. right? He's the one whose older brother was on Ohio State. Uh, I, that might be one of the Hamiltons. Young, but yeah, overall, I don't think either of these guys. Like, I mean, that's that's one of the biggest like questions. Is like, yes, like to fans, like Buckeye forever, Buckeye for life. Yeah, but these guys do have dreams. They want to play. They want to be starters. Like, you just wish the, these are the guys you wish the best, and you hope you hear their name again someday. Like, either in the NFL or you know, playing at a high level in college because, I mean, that just shows, like, recruits, even if you go to Ohio State and it doesn't work out, you're still going to be able to find great opportunities away from the team and have an opportunity to start. Yeah, so, I mean. Uh, Next guy on the list, Ryan Watts. uh, Transferred to Texas. Went home from Little Elm. Very ten. I, I was very bullish on Ryan Watts after the Minnesota game and the first few weeks of the season, and then he just kind of fell out of the regular rotation, and now he's back in Texas, and Texas's defense is going to be bad again, but I think he'll be a good player. So it makes it hard to decide, is he going to be a Jameson Williams-level player where he's a major contributor, all-conference guy, Possibly, but will he aid Texas and make them a good football team? Probably not because their defense is still going to suck. Yeah, for sure. Um, sorry, Darian Henry is not old. Dang. He's a class of 2020 guy. And he was, Mont- well, I mean, that's getting kind of old now. That's only This is his third season. Yeah, I mean, if you're not on the field in your third season, that's usually oh. not great for your draft perspective. Ah, uh, well, okay. If you're looking at the draft, fine, yes. But, like, if you're just looking at in general, that's not that bad. Yeah, and he's also in a place where he got passed by Tyleek Williams. He got passed by a couple yeah. other younger guys. He was 150 in the nation, number two in Ohio, and the number two – he was the second highest rated defensive player in the 2020 draft, in the 2020 class. But I'm pretty sure I've already flamed that class on yeah, we've, this. We've, so. we've taken our time on that class quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, all right, we'll get Craig Young in, then we'll take a quick break, and then finish off the guys with teams. Uh, Craig Young, Kansas. I think he's going to be a superstar at Kansas. I just have this feeling, honestly. I don't know why I like Craig Young from the time he stepped foot at Ohio State. I just don't think he found the correct opportunity for himself at Ohio State. That's the nice way to put it. The coaching staff ruined him. Really he was a linebacker from not, from day one, and he would be the starting linebacker right now if they gave him a chance instead of trying to make him a six foot seven safety. Yeah, and the biggest issue with him was he was kind of in the the recruiting time period where they're like, great athlete, 
we'll get him here. We'll figure out a place. But the coaching staff just did not have the capabilities to have those plans for the future. I mean, I don't want to keep going on this rant, but like, dude, 6'3", 225, linebacker, 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 linebacker. Like, literally, like, get it, 6'3", 225, he's a linebacker. You put 20 pounds on him, and he is the most vicious linebacker in the Big Ten. You don't even need to put 20 pounds on him. Not 6'3", like, you can play at 225, but, like, you put 10 pounds on him, let him get to 230, 235, like, because you don't want to be too big, because then he's walking around like, um... Yeah, now we've got another Taraj Mitchell on our hands. Yeah, like, I think he, I don't think he needed to touch a weight. Obviously, you do, but, like, the point I'm making is he, 6'3", 225 is perfect. That is that is what the NFL wants in linebackers because they don't want 250 guys no more because everyone's fast and everything's in space. He's tall enough to see over the defensive line. He, ideally, he's fast enough to get side to side. He has length. Like, he is, no matter what position he plays in college, he's going to get drafted and they're going to make him an off-ball linebacker. And he's going to be, I, I think... He is going to end up in the NFL, and we're going to hear his name. Like I don't even know what he does at Kansas. Honestly, that's like he's like, a top one hundred pick. That that yeah. gets you to the that gets you potentially to the third round. I don't know where he's going to get played, but anyone who follows the draft knows that the top one hundred pick is where you expect to get high 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 level backups or starters. He's a top one hundred pick. He's an incredibly explosive athlete, uh, and I, I Kansas. Lance Leopold is one of those guys who's just a really good football coach. Like, he won at Buffalo. No one's ever done that. He built a Division three powerhouse and just, like, beat Mount Union a bunch of times. And everyone in Ohio knows Mount Union because all they did for a long time was win championships until, guess who, yeah. Lance Leopold. Uh, so, if I had to trust any coach with a former Ohio State Buckeye maximizing their capabilities, it's Lance Leopold. Yeah, for sure. Um, side note, because we're just going to live react to the draft, or at least I am. Um, three tackles are gone at nine, so the Jets don't get their tackle. So this is where they get a wide receiver. I think Garrett Wilson then, yeah. Unless they go Jermaine Jackson, that defensive lineman, and they double down on defense, which would make sense because Robert Sala is their coach. Yeah, Robert their coach, yeah. yeah. Uh, it'll so, be if Garrett Wilson is here, uh, we will celebrate live on the show. Mm, if I don't not, know about that. I'm not going to celebrate for putting him with um, I don't want him to go to the Commanders. <laughs> I don't want him to go to either of them, but at least Minnesota the Commanders would be have, nice. The Commanders have the better quarterback. I do not want him going to um I don't Zach, think Carson Wentz Zach, is better than Zach Wilson, honestly. <laughs> Carson Wentz is at least an NFL quarterback. Zach Wilson is not. Oh, and I man. promise you that. He is not. Yeah, I mean they both suck, but um yeah, all right, we'll take a quick break. We've got the quarterbacks left. We've got a couple other guys left. Uh, and then there's a few guys who haven't found spots yet, but I think they'll be very good players somewhere else. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. We'll see you guys in a minute or two. All right, welcome back, everybody. Hope you guys are enjoying the show. We are currently live reacting to the draft as well as giving our takes on where the current transfer players went with kind of a mini game. Uh, it's been it's been fun. I, I like talking about the transfers. I think so. Before we get back into it, uh, a lot of people get incredibly concerned when they see transfers and see like a large mass exit of transfers, but. 
this list has Ohio State's had how many transfers on it? Uh, I think 16 people transferred out. 16 like people that. transferred out, and they just finally got under the 85 scholarship limit. Yeah. So when you think about that, like this is Are just they the, under it. Yeah, when uh, Noah Potter or Andre Turrentine, whoever was the more okay. recent one, yeah, declared right. their transfer, they got to 84. Uh, so, like, it took 16 transfers to get to the scholarship limit, and that's insane to me. And that's just the current state of roster management right now. They've obviously that, taken some transfers. That and that's is what really messed yeah. it up. Yeah, so it, it's interesting, and I think these guys are going to – I think most of these guys are – I think they found solid homes. I think they're going to find some success at their second stops. And I think that's fun. I I know a lot of my rooting interest outside of Ohio state comes from being kind of around the area of a place or former players from Ohio state going on to another place. And that's why I'm going to watch a few Kansas games this year, probably hoping I see Craig young, uh, you know, if I'm in Memphis, if I'm watching a Memphis game on a Thursday night, I'll be like, oh, maybe Cormonte Hamilton's playing. You know, that's kind of always a like nice little fun addition to the college football weekend. And that's that's kind of new with the transfer portal. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's fun. Um, oh, Joe, I mean, congrats to my guy, but like, ew. Oh, he just I mean, I, I don't think. uh like Garrett Wilson, like I love the I, I love New York City, but Garrett Wilson doesn't feel very New York City to me, you know what I'm saying? He feels more West Coast, Texas, south of Florida. Uh but yeah, you know, uh what I our feel bad that that's guy Josh just sent to Slack. Uh well, sucks for congrats to Garrett, but uh his career just ended. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. At least he's not playing for Dan Schneider. But, eh. He'll be good. I just don't think the Jets are going to be very good because of it. No. Uh, hey, congrats uh, to my guy because I was tired of people saying that he was going to be the third or fourth guy taken. Like, Matt he's Miller, stud. where you at? <laughs> he's a stud. Where are you at, Matt Miller? Sucks that Zach Wilson's his quarterback. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, they'll have a new quarterback next year. Probably CJ. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. It'll be okay. We'll, we'll be all right. It'll work itself or, they'll get, out. or they'll get Quinn in two years. Yeah, either way, it's going to be fun. Um, yeah. All right, so next person on the list, actually, Quinn Ewers. Uh, we all know the story. I'm not going to redig up the grave, the rehash these wounds or whatever, but Quinn Ewers to Texas. I, I've made the joke a bunch of times to Jordan pre show when we kind of just talk about like some of the other news that we don't get into on the show that Hudson Card's going to beat him out. I don't know if that's true. I just like to make the joke because it would just be really funny if Quinn Ewers came to Ohio State, expected to start, then transferred back to Texas because they didn't have a quarterback and he still loses a job. It would just be a funny story, honestly, to me. Yeah. So I have mentioned before that all I do is listen to podcasts. So I listened to a podcast that had a Texas beat writer on it, and they said that 
Quinn Ewers is probably going to win the job, but that Hudson card is putting up a fight and the battle is going to go until camp. They said, in their opinion, as long as Quinn Ewers knows the offense, even if card is a little better at that time, they should just start him because they said what everyone said and what you said, the ball just comes out of his hand different. Like, like, uh, like they, they are saying that. So we'll see, no, but I like- do think he wins the job probably. In, like, my least biased way possible, the way Quinn Ewers releases the football is not ordinary. It's just just not, you know. Like, the way the ball – someone, I think uh, – uh, his his name on Twitter at rims underscore Jerry. He said it reminded him of Dwayne Haskins, just kind of that. You know, their mechanics might not be perfect; they might not have great feet all the time. But it, the way the ball just explodes off the hand so naturally, it's very Dwayne Haskins esque. And I, I just think the arm talent, the off platform ability, like it's going to be hard for him not to put up big stats in college. I'm not saying he's going to make Texas a 12 and 0 big 12 champ, but if they go five and seven with Quinn Ewers, Texas has bigger problems than anything else. Yeah. Um, side note, I think the commanders wanted Garrett Wilson because they traded back with the saints. So I think it was like, well, our guy's not there. There's only two wide receivers off. Let's, let's trade back a little bit. So see what happened. They, they didn't announce it on the TV. I just saw them. Like I didn't see what the compensation was or anything, but um, yeah, we'll probably get that here in a minute or two when they get back yeah. from commercial, they got to make the graphic. Yeah. I don't think that Quinn Ewers is, you know, Number one, I don't, I don't, I won't say I don't think. I don't know. I've never seen him throw. I don't know if Quinn Ewers is number one pick in the draft, Heisman winner. Like I don't know if he reaches that height, but I do think he'll be good, and I do think he starts for them. But I, I do think it's telling to his hype at least that he has not won the job yet against Hudson Card, who is not in that same. Yeah, he's, t- he's having to work for it, which doesn't mean he's not going to be good, but that means he's not what people said he was. Yeah, if he was, the job would have been – he would have won the job in the 15 practices. He had more than enough time to do it. Yeah, and it's really, I think, expectation. It's very similar. Like, you know, when we talk about, like, five-star offensive linemen, like, like a lot of the time it still takes them two to three years. Like, quarterbacks, when they come in, it's still – fresh and still run. I honestly think Quinn probably would have had a better chance to start at Texas right away if he played his last year of high school and just had game reps under his belt, like yeah. 15 state championship level performances, you know. Like, that's where I think he kind of messed up. And yes, getting in and you kind of wasted your time learning another college's offense just to go and transfer it to learn a new college offense, but yeah, we and we talked about that. I believe we talked about that. It was not going to benefit him to come there. Like, sure, you learn from a better guy, but you're not going to get any snaps. You remember having that conversation back in like August? Yeah. It was like he should have stayed. Like, he should have stayed in high school. Even if like even if his decision at the end of the day was still to come to Ohio State after like that, you know, I think Texas didn't allow him to be an early enrollee. So I think that played into like reclassify, not just be an early enrollee. And that played into the decision, but it really was a mess. But I don't think I can in good conscience say he's going to be a bad football player. And I do think he's going to be more on the JMO level than never hear from him again. 
Yeah, it's 9.20 p.m. and we've only gotten through 10 picks. The NFL draft is a scam. Uh, you want to you get to the next guy? Yeah, let's do it. This guy, we both like him a lot. We both knew he probably was going to be the odd man out. Jack Miller to Florida. You know, it's tough. He went to a place with an incumbent starter who's pretty talented in Anthony Richardson, but everything I've heard from reading and trying to keep tabs on him is he's really pushing – Anthony Richardson and I think one thing that surprised a lot of people in Florida and we have to remember it's a new coach so that's a big aspect in this is Jack Miller came prepared uh, his leadership his intangibles that he's had his whole career just flashed immediately he's already a very likable face in the locker room from everything I've read from the 24-7 sports like Florida affiliate um, Anthony Richardson's still the number one guy. I'm probably I, – I don't know. I don't know. I didn't watch their spring game. I didn't really read much about their spring game. But it might be something worth checking out, I think. Um, I think Jack will be good. I, I, I think he'll end up – even if he's not the starter at the beginning of the year, I don't think it's going to be a defined quarterback situation until the end of the year. Uh, you literally just said what I was going to say. First of all, I think the Saints should take JMO here. Although I don't know if you trade up for JMO. Um, JMO with Michael Thomas would be. I've been really saying it. I've been saying it. Or I've been saying dangerous combination. Um, I think that you literally just said what I was going to say. I think that. Um, Jack Miller is going to be the starter at the end of the year. I was literally going to say, I don't think he's the starter at the beginning of the year, but I think he's the starter at the end of the year. I think Anthony Richardson transfers. You didn't say it as plainly as me, but I think that's kind of what you were hinting at by saying it's not, yeah. you know, uh, it's I not a. It's going to be deal, one so. where Anthony Richardson does enough throughout the offseason to like stay the quarterback one once he gets the season. But once it's all said and done, I just don't think Florida will be a consistent enough team. And I think Jack's going to bring a steadiness to the position and consistency that Anthony Richardson showed he couldn't do last year. And I think when you're rebuilding a program, you want the stable guy more than the up and down guy with possibly a higher ceiling, but definitively a lower floor. And I think that's kind of the difference I see in those two. For sure. Um, uh, I think yeah, I know I, who the pick is. I think uh, okay. So they traded with uh, what the heck? So they uh, traded. So I saw it on TV. That's not bad. They gave up the 16th pick, the 98th pick, and the 120th pick, which means they still have a second first round pick. I feel like they yeah, robbed the Commanders. The Commanders are a bad trading team. Yeah, I mean anything they do is kind of bad because they have tension. The only thing they've done well. <laughs> The last five years is draft Terry McLaurin. Yeah, but they're just really bad at oh, trade. Oh, Chase Young. I don't know how I forgot that. Yeah. <laughs> the two Ohio State players they've drafted have been the only two things they've done successfully. Yeah. Well, um, um, Twitter's spoiling it, so we can we can just say it and then get over it. The Saints drafted Chris Olave. Woo! Yeah. Twitter is spoiling it. I think people with cable spoiling it too because it was in the chat like two minutes ago. But I'm on YouTube TV and it's super behind. They haven't even announced it yet. Yeah, um, Tony Gonzalez is still talking for me. <laughs> yeah, same. So Tony uh, Gonzalez went yeah, to my high school. Oh really? Yeah. Best good, good athlete. Oh, best athlete my high school's ever had. Hey. Listen, uh, I think we can, you know, maybe speed round the next ones. I don't even yeah, remember I think we Ryan can speed round the next three, honestly. Ryan Jacoby was just a good offensive line recruit who 
like not a great one, but a good offensive line recruit. I think he's an Ohio kid. He'll go to Pitt. Uh, Pitt I mean, when you get an offensive lineman who hasn't played much, that means it's for sure a position of need at your place, and you're hoping that you can take him to the next level. And I think that's good for Ryan Jacoby, but I don't think we're going to hear from him again. Yeah, same. Uh, Dallas Camp Toledo. He did what we tell every Ohio State player to do that transfers. Go to the MAC, dominate. Yep. Yes, exactly. Have fun. I, I wish it was Kent State, but fine. It's, it's, Go to Toledo. It's cool. Like the Rockets, I have no problem with the Rockets. It's going to be fun on Wednesday night when I see Dallas yeah. Camp play. Yeah, and have fun playing football again. Yeah, like, and I you, think you want to at the highest was, level, that's fine. Go have fun. Dallas Gant and the next guy we're going to talk about got lost in the shuffle behind Pete Werner, Malik Harrison, like multi-year starters for a long time. They got their opportunity, didn't really fully work out for them. Uh, Dallas Gant put his name in the transfer portal middle of the season. Shout out to Washington, a great group. Congratulations. Uh, He's going to Toledo. I think he'll be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Next on the list, Kayvon Pope. Uh, no rehashing this one. We all know how it ended. Going to play for Eddie at Tennessee State. Uh, Eddie George, smart man. Get high-level Division One recruits. Get him to Tennessee State because you're a former Buckeye. Reap the rewards. Yep. Have fun. Have fun. Yeah. Uh, Football is supposed to be fun. Oh, the Vikings pick is in. Oh, they traded to the Lions. Who the hell do the Lions want? Man. There's no offensive tackles left. Did they? Trade, uh, did the Lions have three first round picks, or did the? Or did the Lions? The Lions had the thirty second. So they the traded all the way up from thirty two. Who the hell did they want at thirty two? At twelve, I have no idea. Honestly, this is going to be an interesting one. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, football is supposed to be fun. Go down there with Tennessee State, Eddie George, and just have like kick it. And it'll nice. be nice. It's HBCU. There's it's, a lot of beautiful women. Good weather, like. Out of the spotlight, uh, he'll have a year to, like, hopefully, I mean, rehab the image of the way he went out, you know. And I think if he has a successful year, he'll still have an opportunity to play at the next level. Like, FCS players get drafted all the time. He still does have tape at Ohio State. So, it really is just a good opportunity for him, and I think it'll be fun for him. Yeah, and I'm not trying to be an asshole, but for all the Ohio State fans that were mad when players transferred, Craig Young went to Kansas. That's an, a step down. I think he's going to be good for Kansas, but that's a step down. Dallas Gant went to Toledo. That's two step downs. And Kayvon Pope went to Tennessee State. That's like three or four steps, maybe yeah. five down from Ohio State. So it's we're happy for them as a player, but this is just a chance to remind y'all that, like, y'all flipped. Like, y'all absolutely tripped when these three players transferred. And they were not going to do it at Ohio State. They just weren't. Yeah, they just um, weren't. And, that's, and if they would have went to Bama, Georgia, something like that, then maybe like okay, maybe like even as bad as our linebackers coach was, our defensive coaches were, these guys were not misevaluated. And we said it a bunch. Like if you're a fourth or fifth year guy at Ohio State and you haven't played yet, you're probably not good. Like, even if the other guys in front of you aren't good, like, they look bad, you're probably not the savior because they're not putting worse people out there to spite you. So I just feel like, you know, pay attention to that. Like, I think sometimes, like, instead of overreacting to things, like, think about why they transferred when they did and how it worked out and stuff like that. Like, like we 
you know, weren't the biggest Tommy Eichenberg fan, but like Tommy Eichenberg got to be better than these three. Well, maybe not Craig Young. Craig Young, I think, was handled poorly, but the other two at least for sure. And Tommy at the end. Why? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I was about to – I didn't want to interrupt you when you were talking, but I said they're going to pick a quarterback right now. And then they showed Kenny Pickett, and I'm like, he's got small hands. It's not going to be him. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But, I I mean, they need a quarterback. I think you you can play Jared Goff this year, let him get refined a little bit more, and then really take your chance. And if you're still bad, just draft C.J. Stroud. Oh, wait. No, no, no. That's not who they drafted. Twitter's saying they drafted J-Mo. Three back-to-back Ohio State wide receivers. Shout out. Uh, wow. Wow. Did the, did your ESPN show Malik Willis on the screen? Yes. But that – so it said it said the pick is in, and then it showed Malik Willis, but we're on mute. So I think they were just, like, filling space. Oh, that's interesting. That's messed up, man. Because mine showed Malik Willis, too, so I thought that was the pick. So that's why I thought it was because – yeah, no, that's interesting. But three Ohio State receivers straight, Brian Hartline, blank check, you're here for life. Uh, and I don't really care if he gets number one receiver in the country. I trust his evaluations more than I trust 24-7 sports' evaluations. A hundred percent. Like, yeah, it's nice getting Julian Fleming, who's the number two player overall in the country. But if he thinks Bryson Rogers is going to fit in that room and he's the 60th player in the country, I'm not going to dispute those 58 spots that much. Facts, facts. I also think if this is actually what happened, because my TV's way slow. Wait, they only traded. They traded the 32nd, the 34th, and the third round pick. But they got a second round pick back. That is not a good trade. That's a bad trade, if I'm being 100% honest. Yeah, I don't like that. Uh, all right, who do we have left? We've got, uh, we've got uh, the three guys without decisions. I think Turrentine's going to Tennessee. He's going home. Jacoby Cohen, I think he's a North Carolina kid. Didn't he make a decision? He went to yeah, North he's Carolina. Going to, he's going to North Carolina. Uh, so that's a good fit. I, I think good good stuff, Mac Brown. Get Ohio State players. Build your team through that. Uh, and then Noah Potter. Uh, I don't really know where he's going to go. He's He was a tweener when he got to school. Moved inside as a three technique. You know, it's uh, – no, they're really planning. So this is the Lions' plan here. They're loading up on offensive skill talent. They got the tackle last year. Yeah, they picked Sa- who'd they pick first? Derek Stingley? No, no, uh, they picked Hutchinson. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hutchinson. Yeah. Got their edge rusher. They got their tackle last year. They've got their receiver this year. Jared Goff's not going to do anything to ruin them getting a top three pick next year. You're going to get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. And, and don't forget, hopefully a healthy um, – oh, my Jeff God. Akuda. Thank you. I always lose names when I want them, and then I feel like I'm disrespecting some of my favorite Ohio State players. But a healthy Jeff Okuda, like those are some pieces, man. Those are some yeah, pieces. Yeah, and it, it's really – see, they, they're doing what we said to do. And you don't take the quarterback. You don't just – throw whatever you want at the board because that's what like people have done historically you just build your roster the way you can at the time with the best players at positions you can build on and then when the time's right you get your guy under center yep 
I mean, that's how you're supposed to do it. You get some guys, you build some pieces, you get them some years in the league where they can contribute. You evaluate the rest of the roster. You figure out if you need free agents, if people work, that kind of stuff. And then you get the guy. And uh, I think they're I think they going to have – I don't know how many first-round picks they have, but it should be top five. And I think they still have some picks left from the Matthew Stafford trade. Um, to where you can move up and – Yeah, and get the best quarterback, whoever you want next year. Yeah, so – that's that's huge. That's big stuff, and I think I'm, I'm excited. I, like, if I was a Lions fan, I'd actually have some legitimate excitement. I think there is a legitimate plan, and that's not something you can say a lot of the time. I think I'd be three years away from excitement. I'd be excited for well, two years from now. <laughs> like, as a Browns fan, I would be excited. The, yeah, I would be excited that the organization is being run correctly. It was sort of how the Browns were building until they drafted Baker Mayfield. And at the time, like, Baker Mayfield got them to the playoffs. Like, he reached his ceiling. And you saw, like, they did a good job building the team, right? But now, they traded for Deshaun Watson. And, I mean, hey, that might be the Lions move, trading for an elite NFL quarterback. We don't know. It could be drafting a quarterback. Yeah. But well, I don't know if there's going to be another quarterback that's worth trading for. And I just, I don't want to get into the Deshaun Watson thing. I, it just sucks because he's such a good player. And I'm not a Browns fan, but I wish I could support it and like go to, like, you know, I like to go to Browns yeah. games and stuff like that. It's just such an icky situation. Like, it's an I, icky I just, situation. It's gross. And that's all I'm going to say about it. If it was a football thing, you know, there'd probably be so much more excitement. I just don't know that you can trade for that guy and then do interviews and press conferences yeah, and act like nothing happen that's just gross yeah it's icky for sure and that's kind of the hard part as a browns fan but it's the nfl everything about it's icky true 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 uh so let's uh, let's let's get into our guys uh see so um cj stroud is better than bryce young and i've been saying it all year and i will continue Uh, to say it i will beat the drum uh, I, I I should have put his Twitter handle in here, but our guy Corey, I know his first name, charts college football prospects, passing charts, inside, outside the numbers, deep balls, middle of the field, quick game, all that stuff. And in almost every single category, C.J. Stroud has higher marks than Bryce Young. I watch the games. C.J. Stroud's a better quarterback. C.J. Stroud, so I will say C.J. Stroud is definitely more refined as a passer than Bryce Young. Bryce Young, you know, he's got the – he does have a stupid arm, and he got he has a lot of juice in his throwing mechanics, but he's slender. He's – I think a lot of people don't realize how trunky Stroud is, how physically – like, like he's a thick guy. Like, Bryce Young's not a thick guy. Uh, they both have – Great talent. I don't think you go wrong with either of them. They're both California kids. Uh, one was a public school California kid. One was a private school California kid. And both of them played at a very high level. Um, but I think it's I think it's crazy. I think the way NFL people have already anointed Bryce Young the number one overall pick and just kind of ignored what CJ Stroud NFL did. People. I think that's college people. And if like yeah. and the and yeah, you're right. that I've that I hear the podcasts and stuff that I mentioned, they don't talk that year they don't talk that far in advance, but when they do, the only name I hear is CJ Stroud. That's yeah. college people projecting that and, and we, they we kinda stuck. saw it. 
we kind of saw it with the pro day with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. The takeaway wasn't Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave or elite receivers. Everyone already knew that. They're like, well, CJ Stroud's going to be a top two pick next year in the NFL draft. And that rarely happens. Rarely. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it now. CJ Stroud. Okay. Okay. So this is a thing. I think that I th- sorry, I'm stumbling over my words. This is a thing that I think is important to remember just because there are a couple shorter quarterbacks in the league does not mean the league is moving towards shorter quarterbacks. And especially when you consider the shorter quarterbacks in the league right now, yeah, Baker Mayfield is on his last leg and people are not happy with uh, Kyler Murray and he's been injured the last couple of years. Like NFL teams are not jumping out the wall, out the window, like, you know, jumping off the roof to get a six foot quarterback. Um, Bryce Young is built like Chris Olave. Like, he's like yeah, 6 he's, foot, 180. Like, maybe they lie and say he's 200 pounds, but I've seen him. He is not 200 pounds. Yeah, six, I think he's 195 is what they have him written down as. And that means it's a lie. That means he's play, really 185. You add 10 pounds to your yeah. program weight. Especially to certain positions, like, that you want, that you want to go to the draft. So it's like... He's good. I'm not saying he's not. I watched him play. He makes some good throws. But CJ Stroud is better. CJ Stroud is also built like an NFL quarterback right now. Uh, he's going to have another year with a better coach and a better offense. And so the only way CJ Stroud is not the number one pick is if there's an all world defensive end, an all world offensive tackle. Like, like if, um, What's his name? Uh, the Will Anderson. Like the only way CJ Stroud is not the number one pick is if Will Anderson's the number one pick. Yeah, like Which if may happen because Will Anderson is like if like Jacksonville or a team with uh, their franchise quarterback is drafting number one overall, that's like the only way Stroud's not Stroud or Bryce Young aren't the number one pick next year. Well, it's gonna be Stroud. That's the point I'm making. It's not or. yeah. It's, Stroud is the first quarterback off the board. It, I will say this. It should be Stroud. And we know the flavor of the month, you know, type of stuff with quarterbacks. Some people like the more unrefined, like, arm talent. Like, we, we've seen it. Like, he plays loose. He He's kind of the gunslinger type. Bryce Young is. And we've seen Stroud. It's refinement. It's fundamentals. It's delivering the ball on time. It's accuracy. And he still has juice in his arm. I, I think a lot of people don't understand that. Like, he still has an incredibly strong arm. Yeah, so... But like, Bryce Young might have, like, 10-inch hands, and they'll be like, oh, he's the first overall pick because Jesus only has nine-and-a-quarter-inch hands. The reason why I, I'm so solid that it's C.J. Stroud is because the measurables aren't the same. Yeah. Like, I, I think if they're neck and neck, they're going to take the guy that looks like an NFL quarterback and the guy that plays in an NFL offense. Bryce Young Bryce Young does not play in the NFL offense. And again, he's I just looked it up. You were right. He's listed at six foot one ninety five, which means he's five eleven one seventy five. Yeah. And one eighty three, something like that. I, I just it's not gonna be It's gonna be a significant difference in what he actually is. And I think Stroud, I don't think he's lying about his weight at all. Yeah. He's he's just, six two six just, three, somewhere between two oh five and two twenty. The difference between a guy who's two twenty and a guy who's two hundred pounds is all in the legs, and CJ Stroud is 
thick legs. Yeah, and I think once people start looking at him, uh, uh, CJ Stroud is listed at 6'3", 218. That's that's a quarterback. Yeah. That's exactly what you want him to be. 6'3", He'll probably be a little bit bigger this year even. Yeah, probably around like 225-ish. Um, and I think the thing that's important is there are also things that people haven't paid attention to with Stroud. And I think they're going to pay attention a little bit more because there's only Jackson Smith and Jigba and not both Alave and stuff. His anticipation, yeah. his route running, his, like not route running, his anticipation, his timing, the the ability to layer balls and and put them in coverage, like that, yeah. that's very NFL things that only NFL people or sickos like myself pay attention to, especially when they're not draft eligible. I think when people start nit, nitpicking them, they're going to see that. Like, Bryce Young is by far the better athlete, and he may have the better arm. That kid has a rocket. I am not trying to say he's not good. Yeah. I just think in comparison, especially to the NFL draft, one is significantly a better prospect than the other, and I think that's going to be found out once they actually start doing that. But Bryce Young is going to be the next guy taken, and yeah, I don't know if he's going to be good, but, like, he's definitely going to be – he's an NFL quarterback for sure. And I think – oh, I think the – what's going to impress a lot of you about Stroud is he is – We've talked about this a lot. He's a he's a sicko. Uh, he is a yeah. film studier. He was telling Chris Olave like, "Hey, I watched this film, and it was like Sunday night at before 19. a game on Saturday <laughs> at nineteen, and saying, hey, I saw this on film already. Like, this is something we need to look at when we can attack this team.' Like, that's the type of stuff. And I like Ryan Day is going to be on his third quarterback that he develops into a first round pick, yeah. and they've got him better progressively each time and that's something to see number one like yes justin fields was an all-world recruit but i he got his growth stunted by georgia for a year so uh cj stroud's been under ryan day's tutelage who was an nfl quarterback coach and knows exactly what nfl teams want in a quarterback and that's cj stroud his full career is going to be handled by a guy who was a six. He had Nick Foles playing. He had the. I'm 99% sure Ryan Day was the offensive coordinator when Nick Foles had like that 29 touchdown to two interception year. For the Eagles? Yeah. Hmm. That'd be interesting to look up because he was there with uh, Chip Kelly, right? Yeah. Oh. Uh, and that is just. That's like he's coached successful NFL quarterbacks. He's coached good quarterbacks uh who do he coach at in san francisco i can't remember but yeah he was only he wasn't there very long Mm-mm. but still uh, this guy. so that i mean it's gonna be fun i think i think there's a lot of things that cj stroud does that bryce young doesn't do but i think bryce young does still have that same level of it factor you know but I'm with you. I think C.J. Stroud is going to be the first overall pick next year. And the only way it's not is if it's Will Anderson. And listen, yeah. if you don't need a quarterback, Will Anderson is a hell of a pick. He may be yeah. the best defensive player since Miles Gary. Like he everything. Like he's hey. – He scares me. <laughs> yeah, he's very, very scary. Uh, he would be – he would have been if, – if he was eligible at like 19 or 20, he would have been the first overall pick in this draft. That's how good he is. He's just not eligible. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's just kind of I wanted to throw that in there. I think it's I think it's always interesting because uh, 
I think you're right. The college people do anoint. They 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 anointed Bryce Young the minute he was the starter. And it's just because he's the starter at Alabama. They anointed him before they even saw him. And I think we just saw. I mean, just go and throw the Rose Bowl tape on the dots, man. Like that's what CJ did. He's that guy. Yeah. And even like even in the losses, like none of those games were on CJ Stroud. Mm-hmm. And if you think that, you also probably think Ohio State's basketball team's in a bad place right now. Uh, yeah. You just have unreasonable expectations for certain positions. Brandon, Brandon Ennis just tweeted back to back to back with the little yeah, Brandon is, if if you need a recruiting pitch like hey, hey let's just commit. Let's get this over with. We don't need to do the song and dance. Hey Carnell Tate, go make your NIL money. Uh you should have seen we just saw uh like fifty four million combined dollars among three people who <laughs> played at Ohio State. So uh that's a little bit more than four million dollars, all right? Yeah. So uh, that's that's just what that's what it is. So and that's I it. So that, I think that leeways us into our next topic: future first round picks. That's not Alave. Uh, that's not Stroud. Stroud is Jasper yeah. Smith and Jigba, who may be the best of all the receivers. Um, yeah. So last year we kind of were a little bit bullish on our predictions with people we potentially saw in the first round. Like, hey, they could if they do this, this, and this, they could be first round picks. We were right about Alave. We were right about Wilson. Uh, the other guys, you know, we did protect ourselves with those predictions. If you go back and listen, saying, hey, they have to do a long list of things, but they could potentially, and none of them did those things. And no. so we're still here. Most and the of other them guys dropped their draft stock, actually. We'll be waiting till Saturday to hear their name. So yeah. uh, next year, I don't know if I think anyone on this team will be in the first round. Outside of Stroud and Smith and Jigba. The only one I think that's capable of it is Paris Johnson Jr. Um, he just has to have a spectacular year. Like, if he gets a consistent yeah. All-American um, left tackle at Ohio State, he can do it. I'm not yep. convinced that he will. I, I, but I it's know. something. I think he's the only one that can. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, him and Dewan Jones are interesting. Uh, I, I think you made a point before the show. NFL teams are going to do uh, – what's his name, Daniel Falafalele? Yep. Uh, too big. Yeah. And they're going to drop him, and I think that's stupid. But it, it really is – like, they're going to have two first-round picks next year, and I just don't see any names on the defense next year. But I think in two years you could see four or five guys potentially in the first round from the defense, and that's crazy. Yeah. Um, 2024. God. Yeah, 2024 is going to be our draft for sure. Yeah, so um, that's going to be fun because you're going to have Jack Sawyer, JT Tuomaleu, or, yeah, Jalen Tuomaleu. Oh, the uh, other one who can do it that most likely won't, though, Julian Fleming. Because we saw with JMO, it only takes one good season That's as true. a wide receiver. Julian and he could, is draft eligible. Yeah. If he has a year, like, he could very much kind of do what Jalen Marshall did, but, like, I think he's much more. And, you know, he's young. And I know a big talk about it with NBA players is just getting that clock started. So, like, if Julian Fleming has, like, 750 yards next year and, like, six Looks touchdowns. Dominant, yeah. And just has, like, 
some flashy catches, does some impressive stuff physically, like, yeah, he could be a first-round pick. And I think that's really the list right there. Yeah, and he's 6'2", 200, so they'll give him the big body title. Um, Some of that obviously depends on who comes out. Like, if If he's one of the bigger wide receivers, like, yeah, so – yeah, um, and I, I think he could. I, I, I think that was a good call, actually. I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's just because unfortunately we haven't seen him. But like yeah, I said, it's it's we saw J-Mo. Nobody was saying J-Mo was a draft pick. Midway through his season, they weren't. Why do you see yeah. him? You only need one. Just one spectacular yeah. year, and you can get there if you have all the measurables and that kind of stuff. So I think he's a long shot. But, I mean, he was the number one wide receiver in the nation for a reason. He just needs to be healthy, so – yeah, and I agree with that. Uh, so we've got one more subject on the show today, one more topic. I, I've just kind of been throwing together some questions throughout like the offseason so far. Uh, either conversations I've heard or you know, some questions I've seen fans ask on Twitter uh, just that I thought were kind of fun. Uh, kind of what if questions, who are questions, but – Oh, I will, we won't rapid fire them, but we'll get through them a little quickly. Um, first and foremost, uh, the offense, everyone is incredibly bullish on it. I don't think the offense is bad this year. I don't think there's even a chance of, like, I don't think there is one injury on this team that takes the offense from great to bad. You know what I'm saying? I could take it from great to good, but not great to bad. They uh, just compared Kyle Hamilton to Jalen Ramsey, and I'm offended. Uh, yeah, I'm offended too. They don't even play the same position. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I agree. What, I agree. What What would be the worst case scenario for Ohio State's offense? Like what? And like it doesn't have to be stats. It doesn't have to be anything. And I have something in my mind, but I just kind of want to hear like worst case scenario Ohio State's offense this year. Are you like the worst thing that can happen, or how like the worst they yeah, can be? Yeah, like the worst it looks. Oh, okay. I was answering something different. I thought you were saying the worst thing that could happen. Oh, the worst it looks is like twenty fifteenth in the country. Yeah. So I, I think I, I'm going like yeah. I think that's probably the number I'd go. And the one thing I'm worried about, like worst case scenario, they aren't physical. You know, I think I mean, last they year, physical last year, and they were they still... were very finesse and they put up stats. But if they don't bring physicality this year, it's going to start getting under my skin. Yeah, I don't think Justin Fry's going to let that happen. And like, if we run a inside zone on third and one, and they allow penetration multiple times this season, I'm going to be pissed off. Oh, and that's no. the worst case scenario to me. Like, they don't improve on some of the issues they had last year. The play calling's predictable. You know, formationally, they do everything towards their tendencies. Like, I want to see some creativity. And, you know, I think worst-case scenario is Ryan Day doesn't get in his bag every single game this year. Yeah, I think the worst-case scenario, I think you're right. No, I disagree. No, no, no. I agree, I agree, I agree. Sorry. I'm working through things in my mind. I was going to say the worst-case scenario is that Ryan Day's play calling is repetitive again and predictable. But if they are more 
um, physical, physical, you can survive that, even though we wouldn't like that. If yeah. they're not physical, then it's bad regardless. So I agree. I think the second thing is that Ryan Day is, needs to improve on not showing his cards. Yeah, like every, every time, time you're in the pistol, you're running the ball. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think the offense is going to put up stats. I don't think there's a particular way they don't put up ridiculous stats, but. Last year, the difference in some games was not being able to get that short yardage number. The difference between blowing out teams and letting teams kind of stick around a little longer was not being able to run in the red zone, you know. So improving in those areas would be best case scenario. Worst case scenario is either maintaining those tendencies and if there's just that lack of physicality, it would really just I would seethe with anger. Yeah, it would just. There's no way not to see through anger. <laughs> like, yeah. All right. Uh, so, the, the the kind of the flip question here, the flip side of it, because we already saw what the defense looks like in its worst case, right? Mm-hmm. Like last year, I think we could definitively say either that or 2018 were the worst defenses I've ever seen at Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't think we need to go down that road. So I wanted to ask. What will Ohio State's defense look like if they become a top 10 defense next year? Like, what do they need to do in your eyes? The the absolute first thing they need to do is dominant pass rush. All right, we're on the same page because that was my thing. Yeah, like if dominant they could, pass rush. If they could sack the quarterback, all right, I think the number we put it at last time was like 50, like 50 times. Like, I think – that's a dominant pass rush. Yeah. 45, 40 to 50 sacks, I think, would be dominant. I, I don't know if that's a real number. It's like every time you do a Masters golf challenge, or like how many birdies are going to be made throughout the four rounds. It's like, I don't know. I don't know that number. But if you get four players with 10 sacks and a couple players with three or four here, like I think that would be incredible. Even if you get like a 15, an 8, a 6, and a 7, and you just have four players kind of getting close to 40 sacks, then you get a couple mm-hmm. from the interior. That's that's what you'd want, right? 50 sacks is three and a half sacks a game through 14 games, so possible. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Because like good Ohio State defenses used to get like six sacks against the Akrons of the world, and then that would manage for if you only got one or two against somebody else. So... 50 is definitely doable. They've reached 50 before. Yeah, so I think that would be where you start. And the second one would be – I don't think I have any worries about the secondary this year. So it would just be really, really good linebacker play. I don't don't think we're going to get good linebacker play. I think we need above average. We need non-detrimental is the better way to yeah. put it. And, and the thing is, like, if you're really dominant defensively in the 10 games you're supposed to, like, dominate each year, you know, at a, as Ohio State, like, Arkansas State should not have more than 100 yards of offense when Ohio State plays them. And that's how you need to take care of business in the bad games to be a top 10 defense. Yeah, essentially. You can't have a Tulsa Mm-mm. Type game where they have like 400 yards of offense. That yeah, you just that you can't have that at all. 
So, it, it, like, if you give up 270 yards against one of the more competitive teams on your schedule, you have that kind of built in there with that because other teams are going to do that as well. But if you do that against the bad teams too, you're not going to have a top 10 defense. So, like, I want to see Ohio State dominate the first three games in the trenches with the pass rush and then feel very good about the secondary. And I think you're right, above average linebacker play. If the other two position groups are elite, like we're hoping, should be enough. The Ravens traded Hollywood Brown. Eh. I don't know why. Who else do they have? No one. Uh, that's your only wide receiver. And unless that's you're like thinking the guy from not. unless you think the the guy from Minnesota is gonna turn it on. Like that's Lamar's guy too. That's weird. They probably uh, traded him so they didn't have to pay him because he was probably coming up. Yeah. But um, that's dumb. Um, yeah, I think a top 10 defense, the best iteration of the defense is just an absolute dominant defensive line that just wrecks everything, lets the linebackers run free. It all starts from there because, again, like you said, I don't have any worries about the, se- the secondary. They're studs. John Dotson, 16. People were saying he wasn't a first-round pick. So for him to go 16, I mean, a part of that is – There's a reason he's under an easy up 10 at his home. Yeah. I think happy. I, I like Jahan Dotson. Yeah. I really do. I think he's a really good football player. I think he's a little small, and he didn't test as good as I thought he would. Yeah. Isn't he just another Terry McLaurin? I he's even like this. Terry, honestly. How big is Terry? I feel like they're the same type of player, like a little undersized, but just Oh, uh, yeah. Of course, Sean Wade got put on blast yeah. there. <laughs> just like a, an unreal ball winner. Yeah, he's good, man. For his size, like, that's the thing about him is his size – like, he should not be as good at fighting through contact as he is. Mm. Like, just, oh, my God, Sean Wade is the whole highlight tape. Yeah. <laughs> Terry McLaurin is six foot 209. Yeah, so he's a little bit trunkier. I, I thought Terry was a little bit thicker than Jahan. Jahan is wiry. He reminds me of Deshaun Jackson a little bit. A little less top-end speed, but, like, just kind of that same... Smaller receiver game breaking ability. Is he that small though? Big, big day oh, for big ten receivers. Well, oh no, that was on a different podcast. I said it. I said I've been saying it for a while, and I said it on the uh, on the Big Ten podcast that the best wide receivers in the NFL are Big Ten wide receivers, and I went and listed them. And if you think yeah. about it, they are. Yeah, I mean Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson. Um, I can't remember all their names now, but, like, up until some of the rookies, like, a lot of the star wide receivers were Big Ten guys. Mm-hmm. So, all right, yeah. Uh, we'll see what the Chargers do. But, uh, all right, next question. Top ten defense. They're picking the guard. They're picking the guard. Pass rush. Uh, what position group can Ohio State not afford to take a step back this year? Hey, I was right. They picked the guard. Yeah. Um, He's good, too. Cannot afford to take a step back. I feel like the answer is linebackers only because they cannot afford to be worse. Like, they could, like they could oh, just yeah. not be detrimental. But I also want to say defensive line because – they need to be spectacular. They can't be worse than they were last year. So I'm going to go with defensive line just because of how important it is. The defensive line can't take a step back because this is when you're like, this is when your guys are supposed to be 
the guy. Yes. This is when, like, if the defensive line is not good this year, that means they missed on 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 JT and on Jack so- Jack Sawyer. And if yeah, you missed you on can't him, that. that means you're screwed for the next year when they're going into their third season. So I think it's defensive line. Yeah, so I, I was probably leaning towards linebackers and defensive line, and then I thought about this question a little bit. And I just really don't think the secondary can take a step back or even stay stagnant, you know? I think they need to be elite next year just to give Jim Knowles the maximum freedom to do what he wants with the middle six guys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I kind of disagree, and it's partially something that um, – he said a lot through camp. He said our defense looks significantly different when the defensive line is out there. I think the defensive – I believe, like, you know, there, people have this conversation with football. Does the back end help the front end or does the front end help the back end? I fully believe the front end helps the back end. Absolutely. And also, I just don't think the back end can take a step back because there's better players there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like – yeah. Like Brian Shaw, yeah. Bryson Shaw is not going to be a starter. So they can't be worse than last year. So anything is better. It's kind of how I'm looking at it. Yeah, and I think I think you're right uh, the defensive line. The only reason I want the defensive backs is cuz I had a feeling you're probably going to go with defensive line or linebackers. I'm I'm but consistent. If they, get, <laughs> if they get worse, like you have less freedom and I think that's kind of where I'm at. Like you could take that extra half a second you can take for that, like, wicked stunt Jim Knowles wants to call if you have the elite secondary. If they're not elite, then he might not be as willing to do that, and then it makes it easier to game plan, and then it just creates a cycle of, like, okay, our defense is good, but it's not great, and that's not good enough. Yeah. But I don't think the defense is good. I don't think the defensive backs are I think I think the defensive backs are going to be stupid. I don't think it's going to be fair. Yeah, I I think I agree with that. I don't um, know if I'll go as far to say it's not going to be fair. But I, mean, I think Denzel it's be a very solid group. Didn't give up a completion over 20 yards last year as a true freshman. You're you right. got Ronnie Hickman You're back. Right. <laughs> Josh Proctor, if he's healthy, is an NFL-level athlete, and he's yep. shown that he could be a pretty good safety. Tanner McAllister, a veteran. Cam Martinez, freak athlete. You know, like, it, it – Jordan Hancock, Cam Brown, doesn't matter who you put on the other side. They're both good corners. I think Jordan Hancock by the end of the year is gonna. We're gonna have two Denzel Burks. Man, I'm with it. Love it. And that's projecting. I know I'm projecting. You know, it might not work out that way, but that's that's what I'm talking about. That's what the soft season does to us. Yeah. We get into we get into our own heads and we start talking these things up. But the thing is, it's not unrealistic. I mean, I except like for the last That's two the or three part. years, literally except for the last two or three years, we were – no, the last two years because uh, we had um, – of course, I'm going to forget his name again. Um, every single year, we knew we were going to have a first-round DB. Like, like we didn't even know who it was going to be. We were like, we just you know one of them's going to – so, like, to say hey, that they're going to do that – is I don't think that it's outrageous. I don't think that's, yeah. you know, too much. And Jeff Okuda, I apologize for forgetting your name twice, but, like, that is what Ohio State is. It's a factory. Yeah. So I don't think, you know, I'm not it's super not- bullish on Tanner McAllister. I don't, I don't know how good he's going to be. 
But like you said, you if didn't, he's say, you didn't call defense. him a stud. You said veteran. Like you, you play I, the, the ploy that they do. So he's a good like leader. He, if he's your worst player of your five secondary players, you've got a great secondary. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then last question and final thoughts on the NCAA kind of shifting out uh, for the last Ohio State random question. Who is the most important non-quarterback player on the Ohio State Buckeyes? I think you should say non-quarterback, non-Jackson Smith and Jigba. Because yeah, well, it's just Jackson Smith and Jigba. I, I don't think John, he's the most important, though. I think it's – I'll go I'll – go, I think it's JT Tuan Malayu. Mm. I think he's the most important non-quarterback player. Like him becoming the next in-line great pass rusher is the most important thing for this team next year. It could be Jack Sawyer, too. One of the two defensive ends. Interesting. Now I'm thinking. Oh, wait. The Eagle. Am I tripping? The Titans just traded A.J. Brown. Are you the Eagles? Yeah. Oh, my God. The guy's got the jersey on. Oh, what? No, I really liked A.J. Brown, too. So, wait. A.J. Brown just got traded and Hollywood Brown got traded? I don't think they're related, but, like... And I wonder if I, this is I. So I think I was right. I said they traded Hollywood Brown because they don't want to pay him. AJ Brown was asking for money. They traded him. I think wide receivers are going to start start getting traded. They just trade him to draft Traylon Burks. That would be hilarious. Uh that would be stupid. Um, man, that's good. Well, not Brown. to trade. I'm sorry. I was going back to what you were saying. Yeah. I don't know. Who are the Titans going to throw to? Uh, trailing Burns right now. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, they traded for. They did trade for a wide receiver. From they got the guy. They got the guy from the Rams who got injured. Robert Woods. Yeah, but he's not your. He's yeah, not going to be. He should be number, your number one. He's great number two, but he's just not the number one. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, I'm going to stick. Okay, so. I still think Jackson Smith and Jig was the most important because I think you made a great point last week where you said the wide receivers may not be as ready as we thought they were. And I think that's important because I think defensive line can be run by committee. I'm yeah. going to say the most important is Jack Sawyer, not in the non and the non Jackson Smith and Jigba one. And the reason why I say that is I think JT is a surefire deal. Like, I think he's good. Jack Sawyer needs he's to hit him. I'm not sure that he's going to hit because he didn't show us that last year. He wasn't bad last yeah. year. They tried to drape Traylon Burks. Um, oh, my God. I called it. Good yeah. Call it. yeah. Look at, so, so you heard it here first. We're like recruiting experts and we're draft experts. You hear us calling the picks. You hear it. It's here. I've called some. Chris has called some. That's what we do. We're better experts. than Piper and McShay. I don't care what they say. I mean, um, they're the worst. That's not hard. That's not yeah. even a compliment. And I think I think your uh, I think your point about Jack's a good one because if you think back to Nick Bosa, you think back to Chase Young. It's really a question like Nick Bosa got hurt, so you didn't get that year with both of them. If you could have two years of two elite pass rushers and two elite defensive edge players, like. That's not like I keep saying. It's not fair. Like it's not fair to have one elite pass rusher. You know, to have two elite pass rushers. Good luck. You know, like look at what Michigan was able to do with David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson this past year. Like that was really good for them. Um, 
their two best pass rushers they've had at the same time in almost a decade. Yeah. And they were very successful. So like that's kind of something you could see just there. Look at uh and and that and with the young guys as backup, like come on, like yeah, and Andy not Curry as your third or fourth guy. Yeah, and not even to like like you know to a lesser extent like having a Jordan Davis and a what's his name Trayvon Walker like just having two elite defensive linemen at the same time that could get after the quarterback and make a difference in that way, it, it's just monumental. Yep. So, so I, I think, think that's a good one, and I, I mean Jackson Smith and Jigba, he's he's gonna be the star of the team, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's it for my questions. We're going to have a lot more questions because it's the off season and it sucks, but we're getting closer. Uh, we're getting real close. Actually, it's April. That's four months away from week zero. When wow. we get those random weird games and then five weeks away from Labor Day weekend, when we get the first weekend of college football or five months away, um, final thoughts, the NCAA president, Mark Emmert, has decided to retire and he'll still maintain his position until they find the replacement. The NCAA is a dying organization. How do you feel? Mark Emmert's tenure was the tenure that destroyed the NCAA. Yeah, he's absolutely terrible, but it means nothing to me. He Um, makes Kevin Warren look like the most respectable commissioner. Yeah. And that's, that's saying a lot. Uh, but Mark Emmert, to me, represents everything that was wrong with the NCAA, like the out overreach, the late to changing things. Like he had almost five years to come up with a legitimate plan for transfers. He had like almost 10 years during the Ed O'Bannon trial to come up with a way that the NCAA could manage NIL deals. And now they were just stuck playing catch up and trying to put in rules in place. And now we're seeing all these NIL funds and all these foundations popping up. Yeah. I mean, and his, he has no power. Yeah. And his second or third year, we lost the NCAA franchise. Yeah. And that's the worst say anything thing else. done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you say anything else. I think when you look at all the problems in the United States, the greatest representation of it was the NCAA and how they do nothing. And they still hold a lot of power. And Mark Emmer is a prime example of what's wrong, you know. And that, to me, like, had so many opportunities to help progress the game forward, but never took any of them. And I think that's everything you need to know about the NCAA as an organization and why the TV networks now run college football and why NIL foundations run college football and why head coaches and so on and so forth are the highest paid employees in college football because they have much more say and much more power. And conference commissioners, you know, kind of folded when it came to the NCAA, and I don't know why. But now I just don't think the NCAA is going to be more of a event planner than they are an actual governing body from here on out. Uh, I sort of disagree with that. Only because I think we forget that the NCAA governs divisions two through however many. Yeah, and I mean, like they're still going to be there for that. It's just not going to be. But like, it's they're funny. Like, make the rules for Division One football for long. They are going to separate. I, I don't know when, 
And there's some bad blood that needs to get yeah. getting rid of, but with a lot of the commission, like everyone's gonna have like the um, ACC new commissioner, Big Ten new commissioner, Pac-12 new commissioner, the Big Twelve commissioner just stepped down, so the only longer tenured one is the SEC. They're going to get together. They're gonna mend some relationships. They're gonna f- stop stealing teams from other conferences. They're gonna figure out the playoff, and then at some point they're gonna create. They're going to, make they're going to create. No, they're not gonna do that. They're gonna create a. They're going to separate from the NCAA and create like and create a, their own governing structure. Like, yeah, honestly, you just call it the football bowl subdivision, and then you're still good. But like, not with the NCAA. Yeah, which they're already like fifty, sixty percent to that now. Like the yeah. one football makes their own rules already. Yeah, and we're seeing it every day, and we're kind of seeing like a huge separation. Yes, there are some group five, group of five schools that are competitive with like the sixty-five power five programs, but when you really get down to like the MAC, when you get down to the Sun Belt, it really is there's there'd be more opportunities if they were separated and. I love when there's big upsets and I love the teams playing and I don't think you should stop them from playing each other, but there should still be more reward for the other half. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, I don't want to ramble on this. We can talk about this later in the off season. I think the ideal thing is to add a new division, let the, you know, top of the top be their own thing, move the Mac and all of those guys to a lower division, shift all the divisions down. And then there'd be three essentially playoffs. There'd be the Division One playoff. There'd be the Group of Five playoff. And then there's the new Division Three, which is currently the new Division Two, which is currently FCS, would obviously keep their playoffs. Same rules for the divisions, all that other kind of stuff. You just separate yeah. them so we don't have to hear about Kent State trying to get to the playoffs, which is not going to happen. Yeah, and like it changes the goals and stuff. And everyone's like, hey – like, it shouldn't all be about the playoffs. And I understand that. And I enjoy college football for all it's worth, you know. But those guys deserve something more to play for than, like, the Camping World Truck Bowl. Yeah. And they could play for a national championship if they and that, get out of there. And, like, heck, if there's still a good enough team, like, to play in, like, a 16-team playoff, you should, they'll still get taken, you know. But, right. like – there should still be that secondary opportunity for them. Kind of like the NCAA tournament in college basketball and the NIT in college basketball. So I disagree. I don't even think they should be in the same division, which means they wouldn't get taken. But if they created an NIT, I'd be fine with that too. Yeah, I I think that's actually a solid option. Yeah. So before we get out of here, pick 20, Steelers. No quarterbacks have been taken. Do they take Kenny Pickett? The Pittsburgh guy. Uh, Pittsburgh kid, I think this is the only – this is the last team that will take a quarterback in the first round. So uh, Someone may trade up once you get to like 25 or later. That's true. That's the only team with their original pick that will take a quarterback in the first that's round. That's fair. Yep. Uh, yeah, before we close out, pick is in. Uh, let's see where it goes, and that will be it for the day. Uh, show, a little long. If you guys stuck with us the full hour 55, you got to hear – a lot is kind of a live reaction podcast with a lot of different conversation topics thrown yeah. in the middle, but it's a lot of fun. I kind of like when this happens. Yeah, I also am not mature enough to ignore things that are happening that's cool on TV, so it was always going to be a live reaction podcast uh, because I could not talk about the draft. But I think we did good. I mean, we got through all of our topics, and it's yeah. really only you know fifteen to thirty minutes longer than what we normally do. Yeah, we went, got through all our topics with 
draft conversation cut into it. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty good. I think that's pretty but solid. Yeah, while we're on this long commercial break on the TV, uh, Brian Hartline, lifetime contract. Come on now. Absolutely. Like, are we serious fire, here? Uh, fire old boy and make him the offensive coordinator and pay him $2 million a year. Kevin yeah, Wilson, I don't, you don't need him. Shoot, you know what? You want to – like, honestly – it, like I know Ohio State has Mark Pantone, but like a lot of schools have a recruiting coordinator position. I don't know why Brian Hartline doesn't have that title. Maybe that's next for his next pay raise. But well, I think it's because um, Ohio State has a very very robust recruiting department, and I think a lot of the schools that have that don't. So I think yeah. it's like a, a separation of duty is the wrong word because obviously the coaches recruit, but yeah. I think it's a separation of duty. And I think you owe that respect to Mark Pantone. And they obviously have given him a lot of respect because they just let him remake that department. They moved yeah, him he got up. his own name. Yeah, they moved him up and then they hired someone for his own position and they expanded it and did a whole bunch of other stuff. So they're yeah. even getting even bigger in that. So I don't think Ohio State is a place that would give a coach a recruiting coordinator title because that's not what he's doing. (laughs) I will say like we've talked about before, higher education, it's all about titles for raises. Yeah. You got to save a couple titles for raises. Yeah, you got to save a couple. Um, I do think that either whether he gets fired or he finds another job, Kevin Wilson, two years max and then Brian Hartline will be offensive coordinator and if Kevin Wilson just never ever wants to leave until he retires and never wants a head coaching job then Brian Hartline will at least get co-offensive coordinator yeah honestly I don't even think that would be necessarily a bad thing Uh, it's a bad thing because he can't recruit the tight end position which is the only thing he coaches so it's like what do you do and I, I think you can let Kevin Wilson kind of What's the word I'm looking for? Like, kind of train Brian Hartline in the ways of being an offensive coordinator because yeah. he's done it for so long. But then yeah. you just hire Keenan Bailey from within, promote him to receivers coach. Brian Hartline works with him directly. Yeah. And, you know, business as usual. Brian Hartline gets paid more money. Yeah. Gets a uh, nice career promotion. I think that's and, what's going to happen. Yeah. And, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like – the offense is great, and I'm sure Ryan Day doesn't. I I know Kevin Wilson does something, and I can never say this word, so I'm going to embarrass myself. But keeping him is good for continuity, continuity, continuity. continuity. I, I can never say that word. Continuity. Thank you. It's good for continuity. You don't always want to bring in new people. And Kevin Wilson obviously is never going to get a big head and think he should do more and try to take over Ryan Day's job. And I think that's important to Ryan Day in the instance of like. Sometimes it sucks getting the young up and coming guy. We saw that with Urban, where every year they're yeah. getting hired away. And so if you get a guy like, and also the thing with Kevin yeah, even Wilson, Mike, even Mike Yursick was there for a year as a quarterbacks coach, yeah. and then he left. And, and here's the thing with Kevin Wilson: I don't know if he wants to be a head coach again. I don't know if he's going to get hired as a head coach again. But if we're being honest, right? Is he going to get paid more as a head coach at the place that would hire him than yeah, the Ohio like State's going to pay him? And- takes like the Joe Moorhead job after Joe Moorhead's done at Akron because we know where Akron is. We know what it is. It's not a place you coach for long periods of time. Like if he goes and does that, I don't think he's making as much money. Right. So it's like, why not stay? Like unless he gets a power five coaching job, which I don't think is necessarily on the table for him. With he's older and why he got fired. Right. And yeah, I have to um, they're going to talk for another five minutes. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think 
Okay, so let's just say it like this. Whether Kevin Wilson is there over under three years before Brian Hartline has a co or just straight up offensive coordinator title? Probably, honestly, either at or over. Okay. Yeah. I think that's fair. He just got a new title. They're not going to promote him that quick. Yeah, and we're just lucky he made like $65 million as an NFL player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't need the money. Like at the end of the day, that's what you got to be grateful for as an Ohio State fan. Yeah, like I don't I know. I do not care. Oh, he did. Yeah, All right, Kenny Pickett. Pick I'm not small at, hands. At 20, I'm not mad at that. Yeah, they need him. They need and, a quarterback. And he doesn't need to start a meet. He is the first quarterback taken, right? I did Malik Willis come off the board. No, Malik Willis oh, that had was that. Fake. That was fake, yeah. It was a fake out. Yeah, so um, – I'm not mad at that at 20, and I don't think that Mitch Trubisky is the best quarterback in the world. But it gives he doesn't have to, especially at the 20th pick, he doesn't have to come in and immediately be a starter. Yeah, yeah. with Mitch Trubisky and actually earn the job. Eight and a half inches. That's what I was going to say. If you have to wear gloves to grab a football, I don't trust you as a quarterback. I mean, yeah, but he's a 20th pick. Doesn't matter. Yeah, you're really just throwing dice on the on the table here. And hoping for the best. But, yeah, I mean, we covered a lot today. We covered stuff that is in Ohio State. We covered a lot of Ohio State stuff. We'll be back next week with plenty of Ohio State stuff. But uh, that's it for me today. I got nothing else to say. You guys can follow me at Chris Rennie CFB, and then you can follow the show at Buck Off Pod. Uh, you can follow me at JordanW330, and thanks for listening. Go Bucks. Go Bucks.